everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Infectious Dialogue, where we discuss the stories of medicine and the people behind them. My name is Gurinder. And I'm Naman. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing cancer and lifestyle factors that can lead to cancer progressing or developing, as well as those that can reduce the chances of cancer growing. Our interviewer, Daniel, spoke with Dr. Lorenzo Cohen and Allison Jeffries, who have co-written a book on the subject called Anti-Cancer Living, Transform Your Life and Health with the Mix of Six. This will be the first part of a two-part episode on the interview. In this first episode, the guests discussed what cancer is and what the main hallmarks of cancer are. We hope you enjoy this interview. Okay, welcome back everyone to another episode of Infectious Dialogue. Uh, My name is Daniel Borens. I am a frequent host of the show and I'm very excited today because I have two wonderful guests with me and I'm speaking to them virtually from their home in Houston, Texas, um, which is really cool. And that's one of the good things about using Zoom is that you can speak to anyone uh, anywhere. So that's amazing. So I would like to welcome um, Dr. Lorenzo Cohen and Allison Jeffries. So welcome. How are you both doing today? Well, thank you very much. We're great. Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having us. It is our pleasure. Thank you so much for joining. So I guess first, uh, just to start, I was wondering if you could tell the audience a bit about um, both of your backgrounds. Well, uh, I, both of us actually, were born in Europe, raised in Toronto, and now find ourselves living in the United States, as you said, in Houston, Texas. I'm a teacher by training. I started my uh, career in museums and education programs and then moved to the classroom and then got a master's in educational psychology and have been uh, spending time being a mother and then as well as writing uh, this book with Lorenzo and speaking and doing workshops around the country and around the world called Anti-Cancer Living. And my background is actually as a uh, research psychologist. So I uh, received my PhD in medical psychology from Uniform Services University of the Health Sciences, which is a medical school in Bethesda, Maryland. And the focus was, was really on aspects of how psychology influences health and well-being. So a lot around uh, behavior and a big focus on stress and the immune system and this field of psychoneuroimmunology. For the past 22 plus years now, um, I've actually been at the MD Anderson Cancer Center, which is a uh, cancer center in Houston, Texas, one of the largest uh, in North America, with a focus really in this area of psycho-oncology and integrative medicine. My connection actually, interestingly, to Canada, besides growing up uh, in Toronto, was my first uh, grant award was actually from NCIC, National Cancer Institute of Canada, as a, a postdoctoral fellow at the Toronto Hospital and trying to, to study the relationship between stress, immune function, and, and prostate cancer surgery. Um, so since joining MD Anderson um, a number of, of years after uh, starting there, we started what's called the Integrative Medicine uh, Program with the clinical center as well as uh, research in, in the area of integrative oncology. 
Well, it sounds like um, both of you have had a lot of amazing um, experience. And I've heard about MD Anderson as being one of the top uh, cancer uh, research hospitals in the world. So that's really amazing. And speaking of cancer and integrative medicine, today we're going to be talking about Anti-Cancer Living, which is a book that Lorenzo and Allison wrote together. It's called Anti-Cancer Living, Transform Your Life and Health, Health with the Mix of Six. And I read this book recently and I couldn't put it down. It was uh, so interesting. And what I loved about the book was that it combined a lot of information from scientific research that really showed you know, good evidence-based uh, research about you know, cancer treatments and, and different lifestyle factors that you, know, you, can, you can do to help treat cancer. But it also, the book also had a lot of real patient stories, which I think made it very personalized and you can really kind of understand what the patients were going through and then you could see how the lifestyle factors help change their lives. So I guess um, I was wondering what inspired you both to, both to write this book? Well, when we moved to Houston, Lorenzo started work at MD Anderson Cancer Center and he would come home. I was teaching in the classroom and he would come home each day talking about this really interesting area of integrative medicine uh, about cancer and lifestyle. And he would share what he had learned, what he was doing research-wise, what others were doing uh, at MD Anderson, as well as around the world. And we started to have children. And at some point, we realized that these, this information was really tools that we could help our children uh, grow to grow up and uh, live healthier lives. If we could, you know, take the knowledge that he was bringing home and change it and adapt it in our home. And so that's what we started to do. We started to look at them and think of ways in which we could really help them to be healthy. And then we, what we realized was that we weren't living that life. We were doing it for our kids, but not for ourselves. And so then we started making changes in the way we were living and we gathered a group of friends together and we, you know, when we gathered for dinner parties, we started making change in the diet and in, in, in all the areas of the mix of six, which we'll get into. But then we realized also that Lorenzo and I shared this perspective that was um, really important and that not a lot of people had access to. And so we, started speaking to different groups in our community and then realized that it would be great to write a book that had the science, uh, that it was evidence-based and that also had the how-to. So it would be for people who are looking to avoid a cancer diagnosis, those who had a cancer diagnosis to looking to improve their uh, situation and reduce their re risk of, rec of recurrence. So we, we embarked on writing this book together. And the day that we submitted the draft of the book, uh, Lorenzo received a diagnosis of uh, cancer, uh, melanoma, and uh, which he'll speak about a little later. And so we not only had this information and we're sharing this, but we then had this new position as cancer patient and cancer caregiver to add to our story and to the way in which we were able to communicate with people about cancer and lifestyle. Well, I, I, I look forward to hearing more about uh, the mix of six in, in our discussion today. And I find it really 
interesting how you also applied the, the factors that you both wrote about into your own lives as well and um, try to make a difference not only in your own lives, but your children's lives. And I think that comes through in the book. We really see um, a really good, honest reflection and understanding that sometimes these factors can be hard to uh, incorporate. But I think a great thing about the book is that at the end of each chapter, you give a, a summary and some take home points that are for some things that people can do to uh, change their lives. So I guess I wanna ask, it sounds like a simple question, but I know it doesn't have a simple answer. Just so that everyone's on the same page, could you please tell me what is cancer? So yes, it's not a simple uh, question because cancer is of course not one disease. It is multiple diseases, probably numbering over a hundred. And even when we use the term like breast cancer, uh, there are many different kinds of breast cancers. Their etiology being different as well as of course how uh, they need to be uh, treated. But at the most simplistic level, um, cancer is uncontrolled cell growth. So our body um, has systems in place to allow cells in our body to grow in a very orderly, appropriate manner. If we look at the most, you know, simplistic example of this, we just look at the skin. You know, you look down at, at your hand, uh, your forearm, and, and you're essentially looking at very well-organized skin cells that are all uh, formed in, in a very uh, orderly manner. Um, and therefore you have the first defense of our immune system being our skin. Uh, our body's very well protected from uh, pathogens, etc. Cancer is essentially when that regulated cell growth uh, goes haywire and things are growing out of control. And this, of course, can happen in different uh, organs of the body, the most common uh, for men being the prostate organ, for women, breast. And then it can happen, of course, in liquid tumors, things like leukemia and lymphomas, myeloma, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, but again, at the most simplistic level, it's, it's uncontrolled cell growth. Okay, so I think that's a really good starting off point, just so that everyone is clear about exactly what cancer is and um, how, it's how it very much is different based on what organ the cancer, I guess, first starts in. So I read in your book that there are several hallmarks of cancer that I guess for the cancers, you know, even if they might be different in their presentation and in what organ they affect, there are several hallmarks that I guess are kind of common between the different cancers. So could you tell me a bit about those different hallmarks, please? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important to somewhat understand these hallmarks because um, what's happening in our bodies all the time is um, as, uh, cells are replicating, dividing, growing, and things can go wrong and you can get a mutation in a particular cell. And this is part of the normal process of growth and senescence, which is uh, cell death. And 
it's when that loses its controls that, that you ultimately get cancer. So the cancer hallmarks that were developed by uh, Hanahan and Weinberg a number of years ago, they published uh, the most recent uh, update in, in Cell in 2011, where these uh, hallmarks, as you're saying, that were somewhat common across multiple cancers. Um, that again allow that mutated cell uh, to continue to grow out of control. And so they initially developed six hallmarks, uh, one of them being, as it sounds, sustaining proliferative signaling. So it's the cancer's ability to short circuit the controls that are in place um, and and sends these signals to allow the cancer to, to proliferate indefinitely. Similar to that is evading growth suppressors. So somehow circumventing these proteins that are supposed to be released that suppress the growth. And essentially they're ignoring that and continue to grow out of control. Uh, cancer cells are really good at resisting cell death. So conditioned cell death is, is called apoptosis signals again, both inside and outside of this mutated cell, they're supposed to be triggered to essentially commit suicide and they somehow evade them. Um, then really importantly is, is the hallmark of enabling replicative immortality. So they essentially avoid the normal aging process as cells uh, replicate, you get what's called telomere uh, attrition on the end of chromosomes. And when telomeres get too short, eventually uh, the chromosomes don't have stability and, and the cell is supposed to die. Well, cancer cells release signals that don't allow telomere attrition. So essentially the, the cancer cells are immortal, uh, which of course sounds quite frightening. Um, <laughs> Cancer uh, cells individually also release anti-angiogenic, or sorry, angiogenic factors. And so anti-angiogenesis is one form of treatment. And angiogenesis is essentially the, the formation of uh, a vascular system. So the cancer cells are releasing substances to help create their own vascular system because they have a high need, of course, of of blood flow for energy metabolism, etc. And then the last primary hallmark that was developed originally is uh, the activation of invasion and metastasis. And what's important to know is that the primary cancer in and of itself is typically not uh, what causes death. Uh, it is the metastatic disease. So, you know, breast cancer confined to the breast, prostate to the prostate, um, is easy to treat and control. It's when it starts to spread. And of course, uh, a prostate cell and a breast cancer cell is not supposed to break off from the organ of origin and float around the body to another part of the body, land there, for example, on the bone or in the lung, and start to grow again. Uh, other cells of the body don't do that. And, and cancer is uh, are, are cells that are able to, to circulate freely through the body and, and find these new homes. In, in 2011, uh, they added two other hallmarks of reprogramming energy metabolism, which is important when, when we talk about uh, the role of diet in cancer, 
and then avoiding immune destruction. So the, the recent discovery of the immune checkpoint inhibitors that cancer cells themselves actually release substances uh, that uh, shut down the immune system's ability to recognize that this cancer needs to, this mutated cell needs to be killed by the immune system. Uh, they also release immune immune suppressing agents, so uh, leading to a decrease in cell-mediated immunity, meaning that cancer cells avoid immune destruction. A another key factor that they, they listed as enabling characteristics was the original genome instability and mutation in the first place, and then very importantly, uh, which is linked with a lot of the, the, uh, the mix of six, is tumor-promoting inflammation. So cancer really thrives in this inflammatory environment. We're not going to go too deeply into the science, but I think it's important for uh, the listeners to have had that overview of the cancer hallmarks because what we'll be sharing and, and what is really gone into in depth in the book from an evidence-based perspective is the link between each of the mix of six lifestyle factors and one more, or in fact, as in diet and in stress uh, and exercise, uh, those three factors are linked with all the cancer hallmarks, either making uh, our body, allowing our body to be more hospitable to cancer growth or setting things up in a, in a biological way that will decrease risk of cancer. Well, thank you so much for explaining that. Um, and I completely agree. Uh, in medicine, it's the best way to really understand how to treat uh, diseases to understand the mechanism behind the disease. So I think, as you explained, understanding those mechanisms behind cancer has allowed research to be developed to know how to treat the cancer or prevent it from occurring. So I, I, I think I want to set the stage and I want to kind of understand what is the state of cancer in the world? So I was wondering if you had any information about, you know, current rates of cancer, for example, in North America or worldwide, and, and are there any big differences in the types of cancers or rates that, that you, you've noticed? Uh, yeah, well, you know, the, the statistics are not so good. Uh, the most recent data uh, coming out of the, the WHO and, and other international organizations is close to 18 million cancer cases per year um, and close to 10 million deaths. Uh, and the most recent data being uh, back in, in 2018 with an estimate of one in four men and one in five women in their lifetime uh, developing cancer. In addition, now with, with better treatments, there's close to 45 million people living uh, with cancer. So, you know, being within five years past uh, diagnosis. If you look at uh, geographically, uh, what's quite startling and it's perhaps not surprising because of the numbers that half of the new cancer cases and cancer-related deaths uh, occur in Asia. What's, what's quite disturbing is 
both based on projected population aging as well as growth, that it's estimated that by 2040, there's going to be a 60% increase uh, in cancer incidence and close to a 30% sorry, a, a th reflective of 30 million cases uh, and over 15 million cancer-related deaths per year. Um, and, you know, although 2040s feels like a long way off, uh, it's actually not. You know, that number could be even larger, partly because of a lot of the factors that, that we're going to be uh, talking about today. What's interesting, if if you look at cancer around the world and incidence, countries like India, China, and Japan used to have very low incidence, for example, of uh, breast cancer and prostate cancer. Uh, but as they start to adopt more Western lifestyle and there's increase in diseases related to metabolic syndrome and increase in excess weight, as we'll be talking about, their uh, types of cancers they're getting are more reflective of what we see uh, in the West. You know, Africa as, as another example of country that is starting to, to become, uh, countries there starting to become more affluent and again, more processed food, more sedentary behavior, uh, they're starting to, to change the kinds of cancers that they're getting. So that, you know, one in four men and, and one in five uh, women is a world statistic. If we look at North America, um, and actually, you know, why not, you know, look directly at Canada, um, the incidence is closer to one in two uh, women and, and one in two men, uh, with one in four actually dying of cancer. And something that, that I didn't know in, until uh, I went and just looked at the statistics the other day, uh, cancer is now the number one cause of death in Canada. In the U.S., it's number two uh, behind cardiovascular disease. Uh, but that's because uh, we haven't necessarily done as well in, in cardiovascular disease. So, you know, I think the incidence and, and the death rate are similar between our countries, but you've had a bit of a, a downtick, let's say, in, in cardiovascular disease. Very soon, cancer will be the number one killer uh, in the world above uh, cardiovascular disease. Well, it's, it's definitely scary to think of how um, countries adopt the Western lifestyle that many of us are used to, that that is when we see the cancer rates increase. And I really appreciate, uh, for another reason, the mix of six, because it's trying to take away um, and teach us how to change our lifestyles uh, that we're used to. So we're going to start talking more about the mix of six. And like you mentioned, some of the mix of six includes diet and exercise and stress relief. For cancer treatment, when people think about cancer treatment, they often think about the standard medical treatments, which commonly includes chemotherapy, radiation therapy, and surgery. So how do the lifestyle factor changes in the mix of six, how does that fit with standard medical treatments for cancer? 
You know, ideally, ideally, you know, we, we avoid cancer in the first place. And as we'll talk about, the majority of cancers could actually be avoided through the mix of six. Uh, but when somebody is diagnosed with cancer, and whether it's a, a lifestyle cancer, if we were to call it that or not, um, we know that engaging in the mix of six alongside conventional care is going to improve outcomes at a minimum aspects of quality of life but we also believe there will be uh, an improvement in clinical outcomes and ultimately it's all about risk reduction so there's no you know promises there's no magic bullet in fact that's the case for a lot of conventional cancer treatments as well but it's about risk reduction and setting yourself up as best as possible for a good response when you get a cancer diagnosis, you become an expert in your cancer. And through that process, you are always looking for ways that you can have an impact uh, on your, the progression of your disease. And in conjunction with your conventional treatment, you have this incredibly powerful way of being in control of a lot of how you live, a lot of the ways in which you're living. And so that it becomes this tool for you to support your conventional treatment and for you to do it within your home environment. So it's the mix of six fits very nicely with the way in which your treatment progresses and helps you to support it and gives you control over it. Something important to say at this point as well is that you know, so many of us feel guilt and blame and shame for the way in which we may have lived or some of the choices that we have made. And it's really important to leave that behind and to step forward uh, today at this very moment uh, with a hopeful attitude and with the small changes that you can make to, to impact the way um, you're living. So it's really important to be positive and to not to dwell on the past, but to step forward with hope. Yeah, one of the challenges with this message is that, you know, if, if we're saying, you know, in, in one breath that we know how to prevent the majority of cancers and the majority of cancers are linked to lifestyle factors, including risky sexual behavior, uh, which leads to the spread of the human papillomavirus, which causes almost 100% of cervical cancer and now the majority of head and neck cancers. Uh, and there's a vaccine for this. So, you know, just as a side note, everyone needs to get vaccinated who are within the appropriate age group. And that's probably the majority of people listening to this uh, podcast today. Anyone below the age of 45 is still eligible for uh, the HPV vaccination. But you know, we, we ultimately don't know what caused an individual person's cancer. And the key is, is to harness everything within our power, again, to make our body as the least hospitable to, to that continued cancer growth as possible. And, and we know, and we can get into the details, that uh, these six lifestyle factors, and uh, some more than others, definitely influence how effective conventional treatment is going to be. Surgery aside, you know, uh, you know, just cutting something out at an early stage 
um, but you you still want to again create a body that's not hospitable to that continued cancer growth. But somebody who has uncontrolled diabetes and is obese, we know the probability of their chemotherapy working is uh, is is much lower than uh, their counterpart without those comorbidities. Well, I really like the positive message there uh, that there's always something that a patient can do to try to address, you know, whether it's cancer or any, any illness really. And on that positive note, we're going to take a short break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk more about the mix of six with um, Lorenzo and Allison. So stay tuned. That was really, really incredible. I think I need to go pick up that book. Me too. Uh, just to summarize, I think uh, it was great to learn about the different hallmarks of cancer, which will be important to remember for when we talk about the mix of six in our next episode and how people can change aspects of their lives to reduce the likelihood of getting cancer or having their cancer further progress. These changes will be important for us Canadians to make because as Dr. Cohen mentions, cancer is currently the leading cause of death in Canada. All right, it's that time of the show again. Let's do our fact check, where we will try to further explain some concepts talked about in this episode. First up on the list is the topic that's mentioned several times in this episode, and it's the concept of integrative medicine. Integrative medicine is defined as healing-oriented medicine that takes account of the whole person, body, mind, and spirit, including all aspects of life. It emphasizes the therapeutic relationship and makes use of all appropriate therapies, both conventional and alternative. We would also like to touch more on telomeres, Telomeres are the caps at the end of each strand of DNA that protect our chromosomes. As we age, our telomeres undergo telomere attrition, where they become shorter and shorter. Unfortunately, in the case of cancer, this mechanism is overcome and hijacked, resulting in telomeres that continue to lengthen and never get too short. Yeah, this was uh, formerly known as what people thought would be the fountain of life, but turns out actually cancer cells take advantage of this. Another thing that cancer cells uh, take advantage of is another hallmark of cancer known as reprogrammed energy metabolism. Metabolic reprogramming refers to the ability of cancer cells to alter their ability to receive energy in order to support the increased energy request due to continuous growth, rapid proliferation, and other characteristics of typical neoplastic cells. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Join us in two weeks for part two, where they discuss the mix of six and ways to lead to an anti-cancer life. We've linked some of the information mentioned throughout the show, as well as a link to purchase the book, if that's something you're interested in, in the show notes below. Once again, we'd like to thank Dr. Lorenzo Cohen and Allison Jeffries for joining us and educating us about such an important topic. If there's another topic that you'd like us to cover next, send us a message or tweet at us. Our social media is at The ID Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We want to also thank Daniel Borens for creating and editing this episode. We would also like to thank the rest of the team, Numan, Lucy, Isabella, Prasidha, Mike, and myself, Gurinder. Thank you for tuning in to Infectious Dialogue, where we discuss the stories of medicine and the people behind them. Stay safe, everyone.